0: I don't believe in no one's
1: scenarios Data, 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 I cannot make bricks without clay
2: I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain
3: (laughs) Hello and welcome to another Cheeky Scientist radio show I'm your host, Isaiah Henkel And today we're talking about 20 medical and scientific writing careers for PhDs. So if you've heard the phrase medical writer uh, or scientific writer or technical writer, this is an umbrella term uh, or terms that are used interchangeably to discuss many different job titles that have to do uh, with the strength that all PhDs have, which is to gather information and or data, Uh, to to analyze it and to regurgitate it in various ways. Uh, Whether you are going to be on the writing side of the equation or the editing side, or maybe the translating side, there are various individual career paths here. They're all very exciting, especially given everything that's happened in 2020. Um, These careers are surging because of increases in remote work, the decentralization of workforces, worldwide. Uh, So stay tuned. We're going to talk to a panel of people who are working in this career path, and then we're going to dive in to pick apart uh, the different types of career paths, the major ones, and then drill down into the individual job titles. So let's jump in. We have an incredible panel today of people in the medical writing organization. I'm going to invite them on one by one. I have Lavanya here. I have Lavinia as well. Nasreen. Rebecca, Roland, all right, great to have all of you on. Hi. Can you see me? All right, there we go. So I think you're all on mute, so unmute yourself if you would. I'm just going to go around and ask you to introduce yourself and why you joined the Medical Writing Organization or why you became interested in medical writing in the first place. Just a quick introduction and and, uh, kind of the rationale for your interest in medical writing. We'll start with you, Nisreen.
4: Hi. Hi, Isaiah. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? I can. Hi, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'll uh, just, uh, I'd like to begin by just thank you all for inviting me. I, I was so excited to share my experience with uh, you guys. So uh, my name is Nisreen. Um, I got a PhD in um, biochemistry and molecular biology from Simon Fraser University. And uh, I guess um, as many PhDs, uh, uh, I wasn't sure uh, after my PhD, uh, which path uh, or which job I should look for. Uh, but the good thing about me is that um, I have a passion for research. Uh, so the fact that uh, by doing research, you every day you learn something new. So I like that fact. Uh, so after my PhD, I was pretty much stuck into an uh, academic job uh i've been doing uh teaching for example uh postdoc working on a bench uh my well, phd Missouri,
3: don't, don't go too far in your background yet because i'm going to circle back to everybody but just give me the sure. the short answer of what what interested you initially about medical writing like what was kind of the aha that got you interested
4: yeah so uh, uh to be honest uh um I've done some uh, writing in, in my PhD and that was pretty much academic writing, mm. uh, but I did not realize that I am uh, I like medical writing until I joined the Medical Writing Association. Um,
3: Perfect. Well, that's yeah, it, it's back to you. That's all right. Yeah.
4: So the fact I like research, uh, I guess because of my uh, lifestyle and uh, I, I have family obligations, I thought that just research, doing bench work is just too much work. Mm. It's just life uh, or time consuming. So mm. I was looking into something that uh, how do I, do I maintain doing research? And at the same time, uh, it's less uh, time consuming. You know what yeah. I mean?
3: stop yeah, so there. medical
4: industry. medical writing just fit into, fit into that.
3: Thank you so much. Same question to you, Lavanya. So I'm going to just have you introduce yourself and then just a quick reason why you initially got interested in medical writing.
0: Right. Uh, hi, I'm Lavanya and I'm uh, joining in from the UK today. Um, I've always enjoyed uh, writing um, from my school days to uh, when I was doing my master's and and um, it got a PhD and I really enjoyed writing my thesis. And I, uh, when I was writing my first publication is when I felt that I was actually finishing the work that I had you know, taken up. It's not just doing what your um, research on your bench work, that's just not sufficient. I think the um, research cycle ends when you've communicated and it's important to communicate to all stakeholders and uh, I got this growing feeling that I'm, um, the work that I'm doing is really not impacting anybody. And I felt that medical writing will take me to that place where I can actually be doing something that can change how people view a particular uh, new medicine or area of therapy. Um, yeah, Give um, Give, um, give um, knowledge to patients for healthcare practitioners and so on. So I felt Thank that you. that's what I want to be doing.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, for how many of you listening to that, does that resonate a bit? First of all, if you have ever been able to sit down finally and find space to write, and then you get lost in your writing for hours and you look up and you're like, wow, four hours passed. Uh, you are a rare person. Most people cannot do that, right? Most people, the the time just ticks by slowly, but if you can get lost in your writing, hey, you might be in the right place. Also, uh, if you feel like you're not having an impact, how many of you are working in a lab or have done a lot of work in academia and you just feel like you haven't done anything, you know, maybe you've had a carrot held out in front of you, like, Oh, you know, we'll bump up your name in the authorship order and that's it. But you're questioning now, what impact am I actually having? I'm too far away from the things that are actually helping people's lives. I think a lot of us can resonate with that. Um, Roland, I'll go to you next. So same question, just introduce yourself and then what initially, very briefly, got you interested in medical writing?
1: Okay, so thank you for the opportunity, Azia, Can you hear me? I can, hi. Okay, uh, so I am basically still a PhD student. I'm in my last year and also at the same university, I'm an assistant lecturer. So the, the thing that that uh, drew me to medical writing was actually a webinar and among the panelists there was a freelance medical writer and uh, when she started to talk about what medical writing is about that you need to pay attention to details that you um, you need to be able to communicate like complex scientific ideas into an easy manner and you can work remotely this is when i became fascinated with, with medical writing
3: Yeah. I think uh, one thing that's surprising maybe for a lot of us is how in demand medical writing is and what the umbrella term means. It's not just, you don't need clinical experience. Medical writing is just how high level technical writing is referred to uh, in industry. And there's all different kinds of categories. I mean, writing blog articles for a company could be referred to as medical writing. So there's so many different careers. And right now, especially with remote work, decentralized workforces, the pandemic's created this shift where medical writers are more in demand than ever. There's a kind of an information war going on, right? People need to hire credible writers. Your PhD gives you credibility. If you only knew how uh, valuable and sought after you are for these kind of roles, I think your entire perspective would change. So thank you, Roland. And two more people, Lavinia, same question to you, if you can introduce yourself in and just briefly why you got interested in medical writing.
5: Hello. Hello, Isaiah. Uh, hello, everyone. Nice to meet you. I'm uh, Lavinia. I'm originally from Romania, but at the moment, I'm doing an internship in Spain. And as uh, Roland, I'm not yet uh, an official PhD, so hopefully in the next uh, couple of months, I, uh, I will uh, present it via the Zoom, of course. And uh, what got me interested, I think uh, also joining a lot of uh, webinars like this. Uh, where well, you present all the advantages maybe the flexibility so the lifestyle, the flexibility and also during my PhD years uh, I realized that I like this writing because you can do it uh, you know, anytime, like if you feel more active during the night is good, if not, not and also um, maybe I'm more into the marketing side or writing for a lay audience, not just uh, the, um, the scientists so that's why it got me uh, interested and also uh, you can uh, freelance or you can uh, work part-time so there's a lot of flexibility so this is the main uh, the main point
3: excellent well thank you for being here and uh, please say hello to our panel if you have seen and hear them so far just to make sure because some of you we've had quite a few people join since we started Uh, last but not least Rebecca thanks for waiting and same question to you if you could just introduce yourself and briefly tell us why you became interested in medical writing
2: you're welcome, Isaiah. I'm just happy my vi- I'm just happy my video is working now. That was uh, <laughs> sorry, everyone. Sometimes that happens. I I don't know right. why, but um, anyway. So my name is Rebecca Fine. I completed my doctorate of health science in May of 2020. Um, so I'm a newly minted uh, PhD, um, and I have been doing medical writing um, for probably 20 years. But the reason that I chose to come here to MWO is to be in a community because it's very hard to go out and you know find those clients when you're by yourself. Um, I I actually um, was telling Elliot that I work in uh, I also work in data science I I do data quality uh, work and advising um, which also requires a lot of writing you know writing is something that's required in so many of these disciplines Um, and especially I think the medical writing you know as I've gone on and worked with other people it's it's like really important to be able to communicate as other people have said those scientific ideas. Um, and I think MWO, the modules are great for that, for, for like showing you how some of these things work. Cause you know, I fail those editing tests all the time. I know you're going to talk about them later. I don't know if I'm going to stick around for that, but I fail those editing tests all the time before I took these modules. So, um, you know, it's really nice to be able to see like what are they looking for and how Mm. are they, how are they doing that? Um, and then I think everybody else made some excellent points about the flexibility. Um, You know, about two weeks after I completed my modules, Isaiah, I actually landed a $2,500 client. Um, Wow. And it was like the first time that's ever happened to me on a freelance, like where it's just like, here, let's, you know, we'll pay you 2,500 to do this medical device report. And it was like, uh, I think maybe two weeks after I had completed all the modules uh, in MWO. So, um, you know, it's, it's amazing um, how, joining a community and having that support. And I think so many times we're used to just kind of being in our own little academic tunnel vision mm. um, that you know, we're in our own little silo and we don't really get out. And I think when you get out, you know, now I'm getting ready to launch an Amazon TV show and all sorts of stuff that I was telling Elliot about, um, more on the scientific journalism end of things, which I'm sure you're gonna be talking about too. Mm. Um, but it's just, uh, it's amazing how one small decision can change one's life.
3: Well, thank you, Rebecca, and congratulations. Please congratulate Rebecca, and I'm just going to spin off of that for one final quick question for all of you is, how has the medical writing organization helped you uh, in your transition? Some of you have transitioned, some of you are still transitioning. We have PhD students, postdocs, unemployed PhDs, freelancers of you know, 20 years plus right, in this role, uh, but for each of you individually, how you know, looking back, what were the gaps you had in your knowledge and how the medical writing organization closed those gaps, and I'll start with you, Nasreen.
4: Hi. Uh, yeah, I think um, 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 one thing that the medical writing organization helps me with, uh, I think uh, going through the modules, the level of uh, deep and uh, organization, um, like information, just in there, it's it's just incredible. I think, and uh, it does not only care about um, resources. It's not like something give you just a bunch of resources to go through, but it also care about your lifestyle. It helps you uh, determine your uh, goals and finding your interest is guiding you through that. So that's, I think it's something very unique. I haven't really seen in any other um, resources. And uh, also uh, if you lack certain skill, for example, it helps you uh, develop that skill. And uh, yeah, I I find that's very unique.
3: Yeah, thanks for saying that. And I I just want to remind everybody, if you came in late in the medical writing organization, it's a dashboard with multiple online courses. You get certified in medical writing. You get a certificate when you pass all the exams. But this private community aspect allows you to do your job search simultaneously. Because every job search is an N of one. There's key principles you'll learn. The writing, the editing test, for example, how to pass those. Uh, But things are going to come up for you specifically where you're going to need help right now, today. And you get your questions answered in hours, if not minutes in the private group. So thank you, Nasreen. So please thank Rebecca, Nasreen, if you haven't yet. I'm going to finish up here with uh, Lavanya, Lavinia and Roland. So Lavanya, same question to you. Looking back, what were the gaps you had in your knowledge and how has the medical writing organization helped you close those gaps?
0: Right. I, I think it's a medical writing organization. The, the modules itself are fantastic. They gave an overview of what the medical writing industry looks like. And uh, it's just, uh, helpful to have the writing tests. I think that's one one place where most people who are getting into the field stumble. Uh, so it helped in preparing. And I think the the biggest, uh, the unique selling point of I see Sticky Scientist Association and Medical Writing or any of the other programs is the group of people that you get connected to. And uh, it's the people that make MWO uh, the best place to be in. Uh, the mentors like uh, Evgenia, Anand, um, and Soma Suvrog, people who keep posting, Alejandra, all of these people make um, a valuable contribution and really keep helping us move forward in our, our transition. And um, Mm. I think that's, um, that's what Um, I think one turning point was um, uh, Evgenia did a spotlight careers, and uh, it helped me sort of um, focus and say that I'm interested in medical communications and not the other flavors of medical writing, because there are so many other uh, types of medical writing. So that really helped me get that focus. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and I think for a lot of you, half the battle is knowing which path is right for you, right? Which uh, job title is right for you. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you want to be employed or how driven you are, how intelligent you are, you can't hit a target you don't set. You'll find out out exactly which career path is right for you in this program. So thank you very much, Lavanya. Roland, same question to you. Do you want me to repeat it?
1: No, I'm good. So, okay, uh, I wouldn't say I had gaps. I had actually holes, big holes in my knowledge. So I had absolutely no knowledge that there is something else besides academia. And um, so networking was mentioned, but it, it's so important that I also have to highlight networking. And then the people within the MWO, uh, they are truly kind and help you with networking. Even you, you start from a really far uh, in, in, net, in networking aspect. Uh, and besides the modules, maybe what was the, the most important for me personally is the, the vast amount of, of resources. So you do the modules, you do the exams, you get a certificate. But besides that, you get so many things that you can continue to do, like uh, like books, references, webinars, um, uh, online courses, uh, you name it. So, so this is maybe the most important for me personally. And um, so, How I could sum it up is basically the medical writing organization helps you to decide if medical writing is for you or not. And if the answer is yes, it gives you everything you need to start your journey.
3: Well, thank you. I mean, well well said about the program. And I, I think you're right that there's this network aspect that all of us take for granted. A job search is nearly impossible without a network, especially in a recession. And if you ever tried to crack into a network on your own by just messaging random people on LinkedIn, you found out pretty quickly how uh, daunting this can be. Uh, So this is a a pre-made medical writing network for you uh, that's very open and receptive. And it invests in you because you've invested in the program, right? It's very different when you're kind of just looking around, skimming, not serious. Nobody wants to help you if you haven't invested, if you haven't committed, if you haven't put any uh, skin in the game, so to speak. A big part of the medical writing organization is you have all these people that are on the same path. There's plenty of careers out there. Uh, so everybody can help each other. There really is. Uh, you're so in demand now. Uh, you'll have a big shift when you join the program. You'll see how many different options there are, are available for you. Uh, Lavinia, thanks for waiting. Yeah. Same question, last one. So you know after you've joined what were the, the you know looking back what were the gaps you had and how did you how would you close those gaps yeah, so
5: i uh i joined uh, this uh, training uh, at the beginning of the pandemic and i knew that i wasn't you know directly transitioning to this role because i still had my phd ongoing and uh, writing and also i have uh, another job which i'm satisfied with at the moment but i wanted to to also to use the time to gain more knowledge and I completed the the course, I um, uh, I participated in uh, the webinars and all these things and this is great that you can always come back to the to the courses, to the materials, to go through the um, the Facebook group, or um, to get in contact with um, with your peers. And uh, also, Evgenia is very uh, very active on the group. Like she she always updates us with uh, the I don't know different jobs or uh, interesting articles. And uh, yes, so. As everyone here said, like, I wasn't aware of all the opportunities, the possible jobs that this medical writing offers, and... um, Of course, what is the most valuable are the people, the network. So if I would like to transition, let's say now, let me maximum one month, maybe I could have uh, one of these uh, jobs because I I know who to contact with or I'm already networking with on LinkedIn or um, stuff like this. And yeah, um, yeah, so it's great to have a network, to have the information. And if you you don't uh, follow up, you can come back when, uh, when needed.
3: Perfect. Well, thank you all. And Rebecca, you kicked that question off. So thanks for being here. Um, any, any final thoughts?
2: You're welcome. I, I think that, you know, is the important question, right? Is, is like, how does this community uh, help? I think everybody had, you know, great, uh, great answers to that question. Um, I really am a big proponent of networking, I think it's something like 80% of the jobs are hidden, and it really is about who you know. Um, and so I'm always, you know, open to that. And I'm always telling people, people help me. So I'm always willing to help other people. And if you just ask, people will help you. Um,
3: Perfect. Thank so you so much.
2: That's that. I don't know. I'm enjoying myself in the program. And thanks for having me on the panel. And uh, I'll, I'll keep you posted when my TV show comes out.
3: Okay. Thank you, Rebecca, Lavinia, <laughs> okay. Roland. Ms. Reen, Lavanya, thank you so much. Really appreciate their time. And, and we do that to show you that no matter what your background is, right? Some of you are asking, does you know English have to be my first language? It does not. Uh, no matter what your cultural background is, your PhD background, what challenges you're facing, if you need a visa, all of these have been overcome in the MWO program many times to get you hired. So you can do it too.
2: Hey, Isaiah, can I, can I say something about that real quick? My undergraduate degree is actually political science. So you don't even have to come in with a science background.
3: Well said. Thank you. Exactly. Okay. Great point.
2: I'm going to leave. Thank you all.
3: <laughs> Take care. So with that, we're going to bring on uh, Evgenia, the program leader for the medical writing organization. So please say hello to Evgenia once you can see her. Hi, Evgenia.
6: Hi, Isaiah. Can everyone see and hear me?
3: Please say hello to Evgenia if you can. So, Evgenia, what do you think of that panel? Quite the panel, huh?
6: Wow, amazing. I think this is the biggest panel that we had so far. And I love to see like all the members and all the their, hear all their success stories. It's just like so mind-blowing. And yeah. and I'm kind of like, I, I, I don't know how you say this in English, speaking of like non-native speakers, but I feel that I don't fit the door. You know, like so many great things that I'm like, oh my God, I feel so good. I, I'm, I'm glad that people are taking a lot of advantage of this program because it
3: was... Yeah.
6: Yeah, really designed to to help people transition into medical writing.
3: Yeah, and and every one of the every one of those members came on just for you, for all of you attendees to know, just to pay it forward. They they've seen the other side now. They know how in demand this career is. Uh, they know that as soon as they graduate, they have jobs waiting for them. They know as soon as they make the decision to to leave that postdoc to get hired, some of them transitioned already. Uh, so the same is true for you. You can't wait until you defend your thesis to line up these careers. You can't wait until you your postdoc runs out of funding, your TA gets cut, or whatever. There's a lot of, a lot of things happening in academia. You have to you have to prepare now. And that's a big part of what we're going to be talking about today. Is you know what are the current trends? Where are we headed? What are the different positions available to you, and how can you get in them? Uh, u- utilizing the medical writing organization and its network. So remote work. The decentralization of workforces around the world is going to stay high. Evgenia, why has this made the field of medical writing explode? Why is it surging right now, given everything that's happened in 2020?
6: Well, I will answer your question just like with, with my, my professional experience, that since I started, I actually started... Um, in the medical writing field. Um, And a lot of people was concerned about not having a medical background or a background in life sciences. And although there are a lot of, uh, of people writing about medicine or biomedical sciences, it's not only about medicine. And this is a point that I wanted to make clear because medical writing is an umbrella term and it doesn't only covers writing about medicine, it's also like, editing, social translation, project management, um, conference coverage, a lot of like different types of works and also different types of fields. And this includes like writing about different sciences. Rebecca just said like her background was in political sciences. I know people who writes about different sciences, but also who transition from like, for example, I have a colleague who is a chemist, like his background is in chemistry and he writes as a medical writer about medicine. So mm. that's also not a limitation. And like in my case, I, I started working, I transitioned into the science communications field, uh, still being based in Argentina. And there was basically almost nothing that I could do on site. So mm. all my work since I started about five or six years ago was remote. So I traveled the world, I was working from everywhere, and I had clients in Europe, in the US, and like even in Argentina, and I never had to be there to be successful. And I managed teams of 30 plus editors and writers from the other side of the globe. And this is something that medical writing has, and we can all take advantage of it. So you can work anywhere from anywhere and your clients can be based all over the globe and that's why like right now that a lot of the work has shifted to remote work uh, we can basically do it from anywhere so and as you said also at the beginning you know like there is a huge lack of um um incredible information and and that's why like especially this year like 2020 with the pandemic and everything we really need a lot of like good science and medical writers
3: yeah and I, I really want all of you to experience this because right now a lot of you are probably seeing everything that's happening in academia right tenure professors getting pushed out uh, they're closing down the PhD pipeline across the board the hiring freezes then the spending freezes, all so, right? Like people can't get promoted, and then the spending freezes, you can't get stuff you need for your research, whatever. And now a lot of universities have stopped even enrolling PhDs. So the, the writing's on the wall. But you can relax because and I wish, you know, if things were like this, I, I probably would have gotten into medical writing first, because how great is it that you can write, do what you're, you're doing right now for peanuts in academia, but you can be paid very well for it. You can write, you can work with all kinds of big companies. You can stay close to science. You get all of the great stuff without all of the headaches. And Evgenia is right. It's not just the big pharmaceutical companies and the big tech and biotech companies, companies like hospitality companies, Marriott, Hilton, uh, hotels, uh, huge cor- you know, corporations that you would never think would be hiring medical writers or hiring you because credible information is uh, highly valuable right now. No matter your background, in, no matter your phd background you were trained on research uh, the ability to collect information and or data and evaluate its credibility and analysis your ability to analyze it right and then write it at a high volume if you've ever seen anybody else do research that you know look at a non phd and if you've ever watched them do a google search if you've ever watched them try to write a, you know, a one-page paper double-spaced that took them forever, you know what what you've been trained on. The volume of work that you can do when it comes to writing is so much higher. You're, you're very va- valuable. What we want to help you do is figure out, okay, what's the nomenclature in industry? What are the segments? How are things divided up? Which career tracks are right for you? And then how to get into those? That's what med- the medical writing organization is all about. And it's okay. You have no training in this area whatsoever. That's why this program is created. So, Evgenia, yeah. Let's break it down into these five, the five types of medical writing.
6: I think like also something I wanted to say regarding like what you were just mentioning is that I think it's more about what you want to write about and not about your background. It's like, it doesn't matter if you want to write about medicine and you have a political science background or a chemistry background or the other way around, like maybe you are a medical doctor and you want to write about environmental sciences or something like that and that's totally valid um i always speak about like finding this true passion and what we want to do actually uh, Mm. as a professional and yeah and coming back to this there are like basically different types of medical writing and you will see a lot of this graphs today because Uh, there are like so many different pathways that you can follow in medical writing. So when we are talking about types of medical writing, we have, I will start with medcoms because it's the one that is actually the most similar to academia. So basically medcoms is about writing scientific articles like papers, um, preparing slide deck presentations, poster presentations, um, grants, abstracts for conferences all that uh, comes falls into medcoms and um and yeah it's what we're used to but with the difference is that we are not writing about our own research we are writing about someone else's research and we are only the writers we are not the authors of that of those publications then we can move uh, clockwise to medical education and uh, yeah, writing for medical education is basically everything from textbooks for different uh, education levels from school um uh high school, university, even like for a lay for a lay audience, maybe like creating scripts for YouTube videos about uh science or medicine or any different like topics, continuous medical education falls into that category as well. And then we have medical marketing, which is sounds a little bit weird probably to most PhDs, but it's basically it adds something additional about like, um, it's a persuasion kind of like um, style of writing. So it's not only about being uh, true to what you're writing and ethical and credible and using like real scientific information, but also a little bit of the selling point, you know, and not only for marketing like products or pharma, because that's probably the first thing that you can think about, but also like we are marketing our content, like, The type of text that we write, there should be engaging and people should want to read them. Then we switch to medical journalism. And again, uh, forget about all the medical, 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 and you can always replace them by scientific, scientific journalism, scientific marketing, and all that. Um, When we are talking about medical journalism is basically, or scientific journalism is writing about uh, scientific topics for a lay audience. This is like this year has been full of scientific journalism and medical journalism and not always from the most credible sources. So that's an issue and that's our responsibility to fill that gap. And then like last but not least, uh, a lot of people is interested in regulatory writing, which is a more technical type of writing related to different types of submissions to regulatory bodies in your country, international, like think about things like FDA approvals and all that, that's more like a regulatory type of writing. Also related a lot with uh, clinical trials and CROs and all that. They use a lot of regulatory
3: writing. All right. and we're going to come back to these so we wanted to get you familiar with these five main categories and we're going to continue to unpack all the variety here and we'll get into some specific job titles uh, as well as promised uh, one thing i want to be clear on though is that there is this big difference uh, in academic writing versus medical writing or industry writing or scientific writing in industry technical writing in industry and that's the different audience you'll be writing for Now academia academia we all know that audience The reviewers, right? That's who you're really writing for, uh, just about every time, grant reviewers or or your uh, journal reviewers. In industry though, it's a bit different, right? So we're looking at some of the major categories. Of course, these can be sliced up further, but what should we note about these categories? How can you help everybody understand the importance of writing for different audiences?
6: I think like like the first thing is actually understanding that we're writing for different audiences that's the main point because like as you said and i think i've never heard it so clear that we actually write for reviewers we don't write for the reader of the paper yes like we write just like to be published and we forget about the audience as phds right as scientists and So what we have to understand here is that there is a person with a completely maybe like different background receiving our message. So whether we are talking to academics, uh, it's completely different to like talking to patients, for example, because patients, they have some background, right? They know a lot about their disease, but they are still lay people, right? Then like we have the general public, like general public is people who usually don't have Um, a lot of knowledge about the topic, but it's also not about underestimating them. Uh, General public is also like different audiences. It's not the same writing for kids than for women, than for, um, I don't know, uh, maybe like politicians, for example. or
3: Parents or, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
6: parents. Um, then we have like regulatory bodies. They want to have like the specific information, right? They don't want you to write like Shakespeare. They want you to give them like the details that they need to, whether like approve something or not. Mm. Um, healthcare professionals, right? Like they are also different. These are like um, nurses, um, people working in uh, devices, uh, even like other uh, physicians working like on different fields, right? And we like this all, are all different people, and we are going to use different languages. They use different media to like re- like to find this content. So this is th- there are like so many things that we have to take into account. That mm. just like leaving academia, we don't know all of this. We just take yeah. it for granted a little bit.
3: Yeah, so think about those five major categories. That's the first thing they will do is figure out which of those major categories is right for you. Five, the, those five types of audiences are, those, are the major ones, but they can all be split into smaller segments like Evgenia said, parents or politicians or uh, kids, moms, etc. Uh, and then you'll also start breaking down through different workflows in the program what might be right for you uh, by ad- ad- evaluating different categories such as writing, editing, maybe both, translating. So this is just a great place to get started. We're going to go into job title, uh, specific job titles after this with some recaps uh, to close things out. So like Evgenia said, asking yourself what you actually enjoy, because you're going to be working autonomously, (laughs) writing by yourself. What do you like to do? Do you like writing more, editing more, translating more? Uh, But maybe you can help us tie these three major categories, Evgenia, with the goals of the work, and then maybe the sector and the audiences just to get familiar with some of the differences.
0: Yeah,
6: I think it's more about like um, imagine, imagining like a network, right? Like a web. So as I said, like when you know like what you wanna do, uh, then you start say, like asking yourself, okay, I wanna do writing, editing or translation, right? Or maybe a little bit of both. A lot of writers, they also do editing and actually to become a better writer, you want also to do have like practice a lot of editing and then it's a little bit about the goal right so like if you want to do writing what like what do you want to do do you want to just like educate not just but do you want to educate people do you want to help sell a product or a content uh do you want to work with maybe like um msls regulatory affair professionals like basically like what what type of writing do you want to do what's your goal in life and i think this is also very much aligned with what are your values and your main goal in life or in your professional like long term right not only like short term and um and then like we have like related to this we have different audiences right if you want to I don't know, like market a drug, you will sell, like you will market it to patients if you, or maybe to physicians, depending on like who is making the call. Uh, if you want to educate, who do you want to educate? Do you want to educate lay audience? Uh, or maybe you even want to educate physicians on a specific, like new something, you know, some new, new discovery. Yeah. Um, and, and then also like these different sectors that we talked about, right? So basically, I don't think that there is a, a very, you know, like straight path from where we are now to the type of writing that we want to do. It's a creation. And it's a little bit of also like trial and error to see like, okay, this is what I like. I will try it out and see how like, if, if this is really for me, you know, and maybe then you will change. Also that's, that's something a lot of people say like, oh, I need to decide if I will do like regulatory or marketing like tomorrow, right? And maybe you will start with regulatory and then you find out that that's not for you or maybe like the other way around. So give also your some, a chance to, to explore this different path.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think from here, well, let me ask you this. How many of you are interested in writing editing or translating just just curious type in one of those three and of course you could do all three in certain certain positions Uh, especially you could do two of them writing and editing but if any of these are jumping out at you if you have an idea i'm just curious uh, we want you to be thinking about this so what we're going to do is i'm going to show slides as Evgenia talks about some of the major job titles now medical writer scientific writer this is i guess the bread and butter job title under the medical writing umbrella, Evgenia, what are you doing in this role in industry?
6: So um, I, I want to highlight like the main difference between those two. So like medical writer is usually more associated, uh, usually, not always, but to medcoms, to like writing articles and like what I mentioned earlier, slide preparing slide decks and all that, or to regulatory medical writing. So those are the most typical mitigating. When we're talking about science writing, it's more focused on a LA lay audience. So basically, like you're doing science, science writing regardless of what the science is when you're talking to a LA lay audience. That's basically, like, in a nutshell, <laughs> the difference between these two.
3: Yeah, and I think a lot of us get stuck on the nomenclature, but there is some some key differences here between medical writer and scientific writer in industry. It's all about the nomenclature. Scientific journalist, what what is this role, and how is it different? Uh, so, what does it look like on the industry side as a science journalist, Evgenia?
6: Well, this one is very. Like it's more similar to the previous one to the science writing role because like, but the difference between those two is that a science journalist, it's more focused on the most recent publications or discoveries and then it like they write this for the general public, for a lay audience. While science writing can be more focused on just explaining different processes. So you can explain climate change, or you can explain diabetes, or you can explain, I don't know, like the Big Bang or something like that. And science journalism is about like, okay, who won like the Nobel Prize and why? uh and explaining those discoveries or like the vaccine for COVID for example that's more Mm. science journalism.
3: Yeah and it's very different than what you'd be doing on the academic side. Um medical affairs, sales writer, what what does this position entail?
6: Well it's like as the name says it's more related to the sales part of the pharmaceutical industry, medical and healthcare industry, it also related to um, Uh, medical devices, for example, biotech. And you are basically working with all these industries and all these people to prepare maybe like the slide decks for them or even educate them or preparing um, different types of documents um, to work directly with this uh, salespeople, MSLs, medical affairs.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, And I I think a lot of you... You might be turned off by sales writing or marketing writing but it's an entirely huge field some people don't like it but it can also be writing white papers for a company right they're not like a they're not going to be a peer reviewed journal article uh of course but they are going to involve some data that key opinion leaders right so this is where the nomenclature that you'll learn in the medical writing organization comes into play some key opinion leaders such as other researchers clinicians etc will collect data they'll give it to you as the writer and then you'll write up a white paper about how a company's instrument or antibodies or whatever, um, produced that data and how the data is better than data produced by uh, other companies. So you have to think about it in this way. Okay, so how about medical or science content editor? So we're talking about a specific role just for editing. What is this and why is it different than what editing usually looks like in academia? Again, yeah.
6: Well, to be honest, I didn't know anything about editing when I was in academia. I don't know if this was like the the case for most of people for most people, but I only knew about this as a career option like after I already transitioned. Very bumpy transition, but yeah it was already after that. Um, so basically like like medical or science content editor and why I would say like I will, I want to highlight the difference between just like a simple editing or proofreading or like technical editing job from a medical or science content editor. And it has to do with our background. So we understand like we need to focus as much on the language and writing and grammar and and punctuation Mm -hmm. as in the content. So we are uh, asked to maybe like, um, cut down some content, maybe, maybe even highlight things that might be missing or that are incorrect or not uh, well explained um, in science terms. So basically like we, we really need to have a strong background in the topic that we are writing about. So that's, yeah. that's the main difference. It's not only like just correcting grammar. And, and this here, th- we, yeah, we have the, the other side
3: of the story. Like the technical- Yeah, yeah. Side. so tell us a little bit about the technical side.
6: Yeah, it's more about like proofreading, usually this is like, for many people, it's the first step to gain some experience. And you get a lot of training by being a technical editor. But I would say that most PhDs then want to transition to higher positions. Mm. Um, Maybe not, not everyone, maybe people, a lot of people will like this, but definitely you need a lot of attention to detail here. Because that's, that's the main focus, but.
3: Yeah. Exactly, and, and then finally, going off of those those kind of three subcategories, we were looking at translating. So we all know what translation means, but what are you doing in industry as a translator?
6: Well, it's, it's, it's quite straightforward, right? Because mm-hmm. like the thing is that some people were asking about not being a native speaker and actually in medical writing, or science writing, uh, being a non-native speaker is actually um, an asset, right? It's, it's, it's something, it's a skill that you can leverage. And not only for translation, but like I know a lot of like non-native speakers who are writers and editors. And when you can also like translate from your native language to English, from English to your native language, and especially like related to writing for for the general public, right? For a lay audience, also like regulatory documents. A lot of documents, they need to be translated for like the local uh, authorities and then for maybe international uh, submissions. And there's a lot of applications if you have a second language to, to leverage.
3: So think about these three roles. Has your view changed? Which do you think you'd prefer now? After this, we're gonna go into some of the job titles you may not realize are under the umbrella term uh, of medical writing. Uh, but if you ch- switched from writing to maybe being interested in editing or translating, uh, let us know. That's one of the, the first things you'll figure out in the medical writing organization. A few more to wrap up here, Evgenia. Marketing communications specialist. What does this role do? And let's compare it to product communications manager, event manager. I think a lot of us would be surprised to think that event management, right, online or otherwise, is under medical writing. So this is some good variety to introduce here under the medical writing umbrella.
6: Yeah, when we're talking about like uh, marketing or product communications, this is all about. I think that like the most important role of us being in this in this roles is that we um, we bring credibility to whether the to whatever the product is. So let's say you're working for a pharma company, you need to be able to explain what the product does in a very um, like you need to target your audience, but also there is to be there has to be like a very strong science behind it, and that's why these companies are looking for a PhD to cover to, for PhD to cover these roles. Um, but when we're talking about like event management, this is like I agree, it's kind of funny, and um, we don't think about it. Uh, But as I I always like to say, it's kind of like being a a wedding planner, like a scientific wedding planner, right? So if you actually enjoy organizing events, maybe you have great organizational skills, uh, maybe like you're a people person, a little bit of PR, then you might be great because there is like... This events, they need people who know what they are organizing. They need to know the content, like maybe like understand even like the stakeholders, the speakers, the topics, right? And who better to do that than someone from the inside, right? Um, so if you're into those kind of things, this can be a very, very fun role to,
3: to, yeah. to do. Absolutely. And we're going to go as quick as we can here. So science educational outreach right? So this is obviously under the scientific education, Uh, publications manager. So two things to compare here. One, we can have a big role in education as medical writers. And then two, the project management, portfolio management, publication management component is under this umbrella too.
6: Yeah, but basically like the most important thing to understand about publication planning and management is that In industry, it's not done the way we are used to, we are, yeah, we basically learn to do it in academia. When we are in academia, we just want to um, um, get our results out there, right? And we just like finish our um, whatever experiments that we did, we just draft something, we send it to the journal, and then we... Like it's rejected, and then we send it to another journal, and then it's rejected again, and and so on and so so forth. Basically, when we are you are in industry, it, it doesn't work that way. You actually plan. Let's mm-hmm. say like you have a new product that is launching, and you have clinical trials ongoing. Then, when you already know like one when, when your clinical trials are like finishing then you already plan maybe like one or two years ahead and you know like the timelines of the journals you know like the main conferences the satellite conferences you need to plan like when the product is launched uh when it will be presented at this conference and it will be aligned with some other event so there's a lot of planning going and Mm. i think it's 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 a very interesting world also to to learn to see how things are done in
3: industry Absolutely. Uh, reviewer is another one. I think a lot of us have enough experience with this on the academic side. There are some differences in industry that the program covers. I want to talk a little bit about science policy. What what can medical writers do in science policy? There's various job titles as as well as knowledge management lead, but I want to touch on policy while we have time. I want to talk, touch on public relations uh, and what editor-in-chief actually means. I think we've all heard that and it sounds really impressive, but what that is. So how can you work in policy? How can you work in public relations? And what does editor-in-chief mean? <laughs> Three part questions yeah. for time. A lot of pressure. So <laughs> yeah. I,
6: I'll make it like sweet, short and sweet. Sure. Um, so basically like science policy analyst, uh, it's a person who interprets policy and how this policy affects scientists. So that's kind of like in short, Uh, when we are talking about being an editor in chief, this can be for a scientific journal, for a magazine, um, maybe even like for kind of like publications company. Uh, I worked as an editor in chief for a biotech company who was creating content. So that's also an option. Uh, A lot of like different um, career path so for uh, editors in uh, for an editor-in-chief and for public relations for example like this can be like for companies or for big organizations and um, basically like the public relations is the face of the organization or the company and is a person who maybe goes to the events yes. and builds relationships with other um, yeah
3: other stakeholders. in the And I do want to talk about, so we've seen a couple of these job titles like knowledge management lead, scientific engagement lead, operations manager. Let's just talk about the management roles, right? So as a, as a medical writer, there's a lot of communications management roles, a lot of project portfolio management roles. You're coordinating content and coordination of content are closely linked. And with everybody working remotely, decentralized workforces, this is more important than ever. Can you just speak a little bit about this to close? And by the way, we, this is the last slide we're gonna show, last chance to join to get those bonus programs of Guinea.
6: Yeah, this is actually, this is a great slide to summarize basically everything that we've been talking about. So we have like, as it says here, like the customer focused and we have like a lot of marketing there and we have our science behind it, which is like quite strong for a lot of people. It can be a turnoff, but it, it's actually, uh, it's, it's very good that ethical, credible scientists are behind marketing roles. I That's my deep belief. Yes. Uh, product communications to plan and, and manage this new publication as I just mentioned and uh, being an editor-in-chief because it's also like about the readers and the content and that's kind of like we, you're focusing it's also related to the target audience that we were, t- we were talking about earlier then we have like education or academia focus which is like science education but it's also about like the publications in like academic publications or like say scientific publications and the reviewer side of things. So basically we're covering like the teaching and the publications and also the reviewing. And then we have like more the business focused roles. And of course like this cover like policy analyst, like knowledge management lead, uh, PR, scientific engagement, operations manager. And I think this is great because like, when you see the slide, you can already say like, okay, what, what is my focus? Am I more focused on the customers or like educating people or the business side of things? Um, even like, for example, I would say that for all the business um, focused roles, uh, a complement like SMBA will be great because you're combining kind of like, you know, like the writing side and the communications with the, the business side of things.
3: Well said. So thank you so much, Evgenia, for being on the radio show and for providing your insights. This takes us to the end of this show. You can learn about this program and all of our programs at CheekyScientist.com. If you are new to your job search, you don't know which position's right for you, you can go to PhDsGetHired.com. That's plural, PhDsGetHired.com to learn more about our flagship program, the Cheeky Scientist Association that has helped thousands of PhDs around the world get hired. It'll train you on the basics of your job search and help you find the right position for you. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. I'm Isaiah Henkel, the founder of Cheeky Scientist and the creator of the Cheeky Scientist Association. I wanted to quickly tell you that memberships into the association are available to PhDs listening to Cheeky Scientist Radio by using the coupon code CheekyRadio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com, P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, Scroll down to the orange membership button and click on it. Then enter the coupon code Cheeky Radio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. That's Cheeky Radio, C H E E K Y R A D I O. Remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. Are you worried about the rapidly shrinking job market? Like me, have you been seeing more and more articles on universities shutting down their research labs, furloughing employees, cutting postdocs and TAs, and even withdrawing PhD student funding? If so, it might be wise to start taking steps to protect your PhD career. You've worked very hard and very intelligently for years to establish yourself, but likely you have not reached your full career potential yet perhaps you're not even getting respect and you're not getting the rewards that you deserve. The good news is you can get into an industry career where you can get paid well for doing meaningful work. All you need is the right knowledge and the right network. The Cheeky Scientist Association gives you lifetime access to the world's number one PhD-only job search training platform with multiple courses. And the PhD-only job referral network of over 10,000 plus industry PhDs. Now is your chance to become a lifetime member for 20% off of the association. Just use the coupon code Cheeky Radio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com. P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser Scroll to the orange membership button and click on it, then enter the coupon code Cheeky Radio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. No recurring monthly fees, no recurring annual fees, nobody else offers this. PhDs Use the coupon code Cheeky Radio. Remember your value as a PhD, and remember that knowledge is power and your network is your net worth. <laughs> I uh-huh. don't uh-huh.